Welcome to the Dime Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, and in this episode of the Dime Podcast, where we simplify your business, we're talking with Matt Martin, the General Counsel and HR Director for Dime. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Oh man, it's great to be here. We are excited to dig into human resources today on the podcast. Before we get into that, I would love to hear your Dime story. How did you get started with Dime and what, what's your role at Dime? What, is it, what does it mean to be the general counsel and HR director at Dime? <laughs> it means something new every day, I think. So, so I've been kind of familiar with, with Dime from almost the beginning. Ben and I became friends you know, many years ago and we spent a number of years trying to figure out how we could work together, how we could kind of bring our worlds you know, in, into the same realm. And, and I, I had spent some time as the general counsel for a big local nonprofit around, around this area. And uh, just work with a ton of churches and a different bunch of different organizations working on, you know, mission strategy and church health all over the country. And so after kind of that, that time ended, you know, Ben and I got together, started thinking through what can we do to help churches in ways that Dime wasn't currently doing, but the biggest hole was bringing things like legal help without calling it a law firm or something like that, but doing it in, in ways that are is kind of general to churches. And then the most recent is bringing it into the HR realm where, you know, how do you deal with your people and what do you, what do you do with your organization from a health perspective? Yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a need for every single organization, no matter how small or big um, and, and issues that every organization has in, in getting started and, and really how new they are, or how old they are. Uh, there are needs in, in both of those areas in a very significant way. Let's, let's talk about human resources. And before we get in, I'm curious when you when you hear the word human resources, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Oh man, performance reviews, <laughs> disciplinary processes. It's you know I, I think I think it's it's kind of the pulling teeth aspect of a lot of a lot of business where you know it's it's the, the tedium drudgery. It's like oh man, we have to do HR. So it, it's it's definitely I would say not you know not an ideal way of looking at something that's so vital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is one, the insurance, the annual insurance meetings uh, that that HR typically puts on. uh, And then the other is when you get called to the air, when you walk into a meeting and the HR director is sitting there, (laughs) it's probably not a good sign. Uh, And so I think that's where people's mind goes. Obviously human resources does a lot more than that. uh, But I, but I think sometimes the perception is, is those initial thoughts. Matt, what, what is the primary purpose of human resources in an organization? I mean, I think if you had to boil it down to, to one point, and really there's, there's a lot of branches that come off that, but it's really it's organizational health. If you have good people working for you and you treat them well and they have a clear understanding of their role in the organization, how they fit, what the outcome is supposed to be, your organization is just flat out going to be better. And that doesn't matter whether you're a brand new small business or a giant company or a church or a ministry all across the board, if you have healthy people doing things that they enjoy, your organization's just going to be better. Yeah, and how, how would you define health? So when you say healthy people in an organization, how do you know if your organization is healthy or not? Oh, that's great. So I think, I think it starts with kind of a, a collective vision. Everyone has bought into what the organization is about and they not only see their role, but value their role. They know that what they're doing is something, it's, it's good, we're all trying to do something good in the world at a very, very basic level. We all want to do something good, something that we enjoy. And if we're all paddling in the same direction to kind of use a cliche, if we're all doing that, 
that's a very rewarding experience. And, and, and overall, I think you know, the, the big disjointment all over the, our country is a lot of people are in roles that they don't really like. And part of the role of the HR director and kind of the HR department is to make sure people are in the right seat. Some, sometimes it's just changing seats on the boat. And sometimes it's helping people figure out, man, there's some cool things out there. We want to help you succeed. We want you to be a better person. And how can we as an organization help you get there? Yeah, boy, that's good. That's good. So it starts at the top. It's not, no I think question. a lot of senior leaders often want to outsource human resources. Oh, what I'm hearing totally. is they're to augment uh, senior leadership uh, from a directional standpoint of vision casting and, and culture developing. No uh, when it comes to the biggest mistakes you've seen organizations make in the area of human resources, what, what's the biggest mistake or the, or the you know, consistent mistakes that you see? So they're probably two big ones and they kind of rest on opposite ends of the same spectrum. One is ignoring HR, just doing bare minimum, like, like you'd mentioned, the, the organizational insurance meeting, you know, something where it's just, we've got to check off the box. Everybody's got to sign the, the yearly little thing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just doing bare minimum and not realizing how good HR can be. HR can be a vital tool to make your organization better as opposed to just not doing things to screw up. And then probably the, the opposite end of that is going to a spot where you're over policying everything. You're, you're trying to police every little aspect of someone's life. No one likes that. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've, got, I've got three kids and the, 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 the parenting bracket is, you know, you don't want to be so light-handed that they, they run around and jump on the ceiling. But at the same time, they need to know that, that you're on their side, that you're, that you're trying to help them, that you want them to succeed. And so if you're, if you're domineering, giving people a list of thou shalt not, thou shalt type stuff, man, people buck against that. It's so easy to, to just get annoyed and rebel and say, oh, look, HR, whatever, I, I'm just not going to worry about that. Hmm. And do you think, do you think that comes sometimes from an HR department's desire just to even justify their own role <laughs> and job? I mean, I'm, curious, I'm thinking my brother-in-law works for a large organization and he talks about those kind of policies. And I think, what's the point, you know, and I part of me wonder it's just self-sustainability. Of, well, of course. I mean, I think if, if people don't see you doing something, the assumption may be, um, oh, you're not doing anything, but yeah. HR sometimes less is more. Sometimes it's oh, that steady undercurrent of, of success, consistency, of quality. And sometimes you're going to be sitting there and it's going to be quiet. And that's okay. Sometimes the HR department needs to be quiet. That's a good thing. Yeah, boy, that's a good word that sometimes less is more because I think most people wouldn't assume that. They would often assume, and maybe it, most of the time it is actually uh, that they need to be doing more, but uh, that sometimes less is more. It's a, it's a great perspective. Let's, let's shift to hiring a little bit. That's a big part of the HR process. What, what, what's the best way that employees should hire employees and then onboard them? What, what, what are the best processes you've seen around hiring? So first of all, you've, you've got to know what you're looking for. And, and it, goes, it goes beyond just mere like personality testing, which I think that there's a place for that. And it goes beyond just kind of figuring out who culturally fits within your organization. It really goes to what, do, what are we looking for? What type of person do we need to sit in this seat? And then you go find the best people for that. And sometimes that means waiting until you find that right person. Because man, how many times have you seen the wrong person hired? There may be a good person, but they're just sitting in the wrong seat and, and the role isn't working, they're miserable. At the end of the day, it ends up with someone leaving the organization feeling really upset. So the first thing is just identifying what do you need as an organization? Who needs to sit in this seat? And then you go and find that person. 
So I, I think that's, that's absolutely crucial. And that, that really goes to the kind of that organizational vision and health. You have to know what you're about as an organization to know who to bring into the right role. Yeah, that's, that's good. And so that's, that's, that's first. But then in talking about like onboarding, it really is important. This is one of those times where a process is super important. You need to know what does the, what does the experience need to feel like for someone coming into an organization? Some roles might be self-explanatory. When, when you're hiring a brand new doctor, generally that doctor knows exactly what his role is going to be on day one. But when you're hiring someone to come into an organization that is one role out of many, that person needs to know exactly what is expected of them on day one. And it's not the you know, proverbial drinking out of a fire hose way. I mean, that's, everyone's going to do that. You know, that. That's just a given. You have to start giving you know, just knowledge dump. But that person needs to know who do I talk to about this? What is my responsibility on day one, on day two? Who can I talk to if I have an issue with my supervisor that I didn't see coming when I was interviewed and when I was hired? Maybe it's just personality conflict, but I need someone who I can talk to where I'm not going to go in and be perceived as complaining or kind of like the sour apple. It's like, man, I just need someone to talk to. So I think it's just, it's giving that new employee clarity as you walk them through all of kind of the normal stuff that you would do, insurance, onboarding, making sure they have all the logins and, and kind of the basic computer stuff, whatever. But it's really about them knowing what is my place and who can I talk to if I've got questions. Because if you give people kind of that solid ground they can stand on, they're not going to feel as intimidated with that information dump on day one as they would if they're going, I am alone on an island and I don't even know where to go about it. Yeah. Boy, that's, that's so good. I, I, I still remember, and you sharing that, that process reminds me of one of my first jobs uh, where I went in for my first day on the job and I didn't know what to do. I went to the front desk and they, didn't, they weren't expecting me. And my supervisor was in all day meetings and I literally, and they were like, well, we don't really have a desk for you yet. So I literally just sat in the lobby for three hours oh, on the man. couch. And then it took me probably a week to even get a computer, you know, and it, it was, it was so unintentional. Exactly. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it kind of, you know, uh, it led to a bad first year in many ways. If had that first day just been, and I, I think back and if I were my supervisor at the time, I would have dedicated that whole first day at a minimum, if not the whole first week to effectively onboarding. And it was a smaller organization and uh, they didn't have a lot of the systems and processes, but even in your small, you, you need a lot of these things you need to be thinking about. There's no question. I think even small businesses really need to be thinking about it very carefully or small, small organizations, churches. It's, it's almost more complicated then because it's fewer people that you can even talk to. So you don't know who, who can I go and if I have an issue, who can I go and talk to without it being perceived as complaining or me just being kind of a bum in my new role? Who can I go and just pour myself out to and get good, honest feedback? That's super important. It doesn't matter how big or how small you are. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, let's, let's talk with the other side of firing uh, when it comes to HR. What, what, what's the best way to fire someone? What, what are some things that organizations need to be thinking about when, when they need to let go of an employee? So the, the first, you know, it's kind of the broad disclaimer, you know, my background is, is legal. And so my first thought is, is you probably need to talk to an attorney just to make sure that the process that you have, whatever that looks like, that it's been followed properly. I mean, you, you have to know that you haven't done any type of illegal act or something that even if it's not illegal, but it's just in poor form that, that you need. Yeah. To so I think that's, that's kind of a bare minimum first step kind of in that, in that process. But really it's, it's about, I think, being 
it's, it's the marrying of being compassionate, but also being very direct. No one, no one is benefited by you beating around the bush or taking 30 minutes to get to the point. It's, it's you need to, to directly deal with the issues at hand. And if that means that the discussion is a termination, it means that you probably should have had this discussion a couple of times before about what's going on. So when you're having that discussion about, you know, transitioning someone to, to another organization, trans, transitioning out the door, it's, they, they should not be shocked that that's happening. I mean, obviously there are times when things like layoffs happen and, and those are obviously unfortunate, but when you're talking about actually, you know, removing someone from their role, they should not be stunned that they're, that they're being let go. This needs to be a, a transitional period. And so I think you, you've got to be direct. And again, we're dealing with human beings and I, I think the, the kind of the archetypal HR director image is it's like the stone-faced person who walks in and, you know, drops the boom and then walks out. I, I don't think that's healthy for any organization. It's, it's these are people we're dealing with, even if the person has done something that deserves termination. It's yeah. you're still dealing with another human being. And so I think it, maintaining that level of respect, clarity, compassion, but then again, being very clear that this is, this is exactly what happened. This is exactly why we're taking this taking this action. And this is what the X number of the next hours are going to look like in your life until the offboarding process is complete. This is what we expect from you. And this is what you can expect from us. If you had to sum it up, it's really just being clear and being direct. You know, you're dealing with another person. You need to have respect for that person. That's huge. That's huge. And I think that that goes beyond legal into integrity totally, uh, and totally. just, just some good best practice. If, if we could maybe take a, a bit of a tangent here, and this is out of personal curiosity and I've, I've been hearing a lot, of just statistics lately that the majority of new jobs are now contract versus mm -hmm. regular employees. Can you help differentiate maybe the difference between hiring and firing a contract employee versus a regular employee? What is even the difference between those two uh, from a, a language standpoint? I, it just seems like it's a trend right now. It totally. Uh, is. And there are, there are some benefits and some detractions from, from that trend. I mean, the, some of the benefits you can, you can have quick and easy turnover if you need to you can have short-term roles your you know, people may be depending on you but it's but it's a, a, a shorter time period something like that but at the end of the day the you know when you look at, at the irs kind of the irs test on how do you determine someone's a contractor and employee it's all about control and i think it's a 21 point test that they look through to see you know all the different aspects but at the end of the day it comes down to to your control and so when you're bringing someone into a role you need to say is control my control of what the of what the outcome is and the day-to-day -day process of that outcome how important is that to the outcome mm. so um, organizations really blur that line at times and so it's really important when you're dealing with someone who you consider to be a contractor that yeah. you've taken a very clear route to say you are a contractor and this is why I would strongly recommend, again, talking to a lawyer, making sure you have documentation when you're working with a contractor. Um, yeah. and, and so when you're, and when, you're off, when you're offloading a contractor, that process is going to be a contractual document. So you yeah. need to be able to say, the document says X, and this is why we are doing Y. And so it, it's, it needs to be, it's a very, it's almost formulaic, but again, it's the same, same style where you're being direct and you're being you know, very clear. But because that person is, has been hired based on the basis of a document as opposed to on the basis of a relationship, an employee relationship, you have to make sure that you follow that document very carefully. Yeah. There's, there are some nuances certainly to contractors and, and just the warning out there is the IRS has never met a contractor they didn't think was an employee. So it's very important that you make sure that if you have contractors, you have followed those, those rules very closely. Um, yeah. But there can be obviously tons of benefit 
but it just comes down to that, that warning of, Hey, it, it's great. Just make sure you've done it properly. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it, and this is where I think HR just can become so complex. And I think leaning into wise counsel and, and, and the help and support uh, when, when you need it and how you need to keep yourself out of trouble because it, there, there are some unique nuances there and things that I don't, uh, you know, and most of us have no clue about. And, and in many ways, we don't need to know all of those details, but we do need to know about some of the advantages and the opportunities and, and where that can work best for our organization. As we wrap up this podcast, I'd love to know if there's one thing or maybe two things that most organizations or every organization could do today to help improve their HR processes, what would you advise them to do today? Man, so, so, so many organizations, and we, and we kind of hit it on a little bit earlier, you know, the, the under-policying and over-policying to make up a word on the spot, but it's, it's really, it's, you need to make sure that, that, the, that the guidelines you have in place for your employees are clear. And you need to make sure that they are quality and you make sure that you're actually following them. Bad policies exist because people don't follow them. Like it's, it's easy to say, we want to do it this way, but unless you're doing it that way, it's a useless policy. People need clarity in any role in the organization, but when you're talking about HR and their day-to-day responsibilities, they need clarity. So one, get your policy manual out if you have one make sure you're doing it. Make sure it's clear that a normal human being can read this and understand it. We, you don't need some you know, super complicated IRS style document that no one can comprehend. Make sure that people can read it. If they have a question, they need to be able to go to the document and understand exactly what is expected of them. Yeah. And so I think that's probably like the number one today, what you need to do. Uh, and if you don't have a, a policy manual or some way of, of dealing with your employees, I would encourage you to get one. It's not, it's not like punching above your weight if you're a small organization. Some of the work that we've done, the organizations have been very small, but it doesn't matter how many employees you have, they're still employees. They still need that clarity and they still need those kind of that, it's the freedom of guidelines. You know, as long as, as, long as, as everybody knows exactly what's expected, there's so much freedom in that. That is one extremely easy, healthy thing that an organization can do today. Boy, that's so good. So good. So go listen to that advice. Take advantage of that advice today. Matt, thanks so much for speaking into our, our leaders on this episode of the podcast. If those of you are listening, if you would go leave a rating or a review wherever it is you're listening and share this podcast with a friend, if Dime can help your organization, we would love the opportunity to help serve you and support you and simplify uh, your business. So go to simpledime.com to learn more about Dime and all that we can do to help your organization. Mm-hmm.